Aren't you glad to be in the house of God today? Hey, I'm Pastor Corey. If we haven't met, it's probably better for you than we haven't. Um, Hey, we're just glad to be in the house of God today. I don't know what you came in dragging with you, but I feel like this, you could just probably leave it here. Sometimes, you know, we get so worked up as if we're like bearing the weight of the world on our shoulder, but I feel like you forget about God sometimes, right? God is your heavenly father. He knows everything that you need. He has prepared it for you. You might not get everything that you want, but God will give you everything that you need because he's a good father. Come on, say amen, venue church. Has God met you here this morning? It's funny that my dad used to change the atmosphere by walking into the room and raising an eyebrow slightly when I was thinking of doing something that I should. There's this thing with God that I feel like we just need in Canada right now. Can I preach? I just feel like we need a little bit of the father in heaven to walk into the room and be like, all right, everybody calm down. I got this. I have a plan. I'm not afraid of this and I'm not afraid of that. And I see what you need and I got it. I got it. The trick is how do we connect God's blessing with God's people? Today's sermon is about that. Um, Hey, just to let you know, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, we we're doing first Wednesday on the third Wednesday, technically because of August and the way that it worked out. Um, we're going to do first Wednesday. It's like seven o'clock on Wednesday night, not this week, but next week. And it's like a night of like crazy worship. I think we're going to do two new songs there. And whoever shows up there knows how to sing them in church. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this is, I know the song. I've been singing this song. Um, do you like how loud we have the music in church? I just love it. Your neighbor asked for us to turn it louder than your voice. So did you get that? Did you think that was funny? We just wanted you to be able to sing and worship with abandon. And, um, and when you come here and worship, you know what? I'm worshiping. I'm not like evaluating. I'm just worshiping. You can't worship and evaluate at the same time. You can't hear the word of God and obey it while you're evaluating it. And uh, a long time ago, I decided, you know, I'm just going to, I still have yet to find where God hasn't been good and where God hasn't been faithful and where God hasn't saved. I can't find that anywhere. So I'm just going to assume the best about you, God, and I'm just going to do everything that you tell me to do. And I'm going to worship my face off because I'm a raving fan of Jesus Christ. We got any raving fans of Jesus here? Yeah. All right. Now this is a sermon series spiritual moment called Harry man about the prophet Elijah. Now you're like, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, it's interesting that, that the Bible is, is written for real people like you and me, real problems, like your problems and my problems. And uh, a king of uh, a king um, has a messenger that he sends out. Uh, He injures himself. He sends a messenger out to a, a, a fake God. You're like, we don't have fake gods. Hockey. Come on now. You don't have fake gods. Government. Like, I love the government, but don't try to be God. You know, like, let's let God, come on. Can I hear an amen, venue church? It's okay. Um, and so he sends a messenger out and, and the messenger gets intercepted by somebody and sent back with a message that's like, what are you trying to find this from an, another God for? Why do you come to me? God is saying through this messenger and the king of Israel is like, what did the messenger look like? And, the, and the, this is what they said. He was a hairy man. The king says, I know exactly who you're talking about. It's the prophet Elijah, isn't it? Now, I know you want to be known on your block for being something like, you know, Instagrammable. But sometimes God wants you to lean into the thing that makes you different. And sometimes you're injured when you were a kid in your home. Come on. Sometimes you've suffered things. God wants you to lean into it because what you lean into, God is going to resurrect. The thing is, when God resurrects it, then it belongs to God and it doesn't belong to you anymore. And then God can use it to resurrect the person beside you. 
Now, today we're going to be talking about something that we think in Canada. Thanks, Sean. You know, we believe, because of the society that we live in, we believe that the more people on your team in, uh, over an issue must make you right. Isn't that what democracy is? Like, hey, the most people that vote for something. And we try to take this democratic mindset into family. That's not the way that my family worked, by the way. Like, the kids could vote, like, hey, we're going to McDonald's every night of the week. And dad would be like, so go to McDonald's. Do you have any money? Y'all have different dads than I had? <laughs> you can vote all you like. Like, hey, uh, yeah, Ryan and I, we voted that you're going to give us the keys to the, to the car. And dad would be like, you can vote all you like. But if you want my car keys, there's this aspect of God that you have to understand that he sort of thinks that he's God. And he sort of thinks that he can send you a message or a blessing any way that he wants to. And he says to this king who's used to all this refined, you know, cleanly shaven people. He sends a hairy man named Elijah to him. And sometimes God has to send you somebody that you don't particularly like. You don't like the way that they are. You don't like there's something about them that grates on you. Because the way that you're headed is not the way that he wants you to go. And you have to change paths. Well, that takes a bit of an uncomfortable messenger to help you do that. Now, have you ever noticed that? Look, the best moments in your life were the moments that when somebody loved you enough to tell you the truth about you. Like, you got to stop this, man. You got to stop doing this to your family. You got to stop with that addiction. You got to stop. That takes somebody who has a little bit of hair on them. Just give me a minute. Now, you and I, we are easily persuaded. I know you think, you know, all the devil has to do is whisper in my ear, like, oh, you're so smart, Corey. You're so smart. And then I'd like... Then I'm somehow open to whatever he wants to say next. Um, but you know that the devil is very persuasive. I mean, heck, I'm persuasive as a, as a person. Now, it's a good thing. Like, I'm a salesman. I'm selling Jesus, which is awesome. But if it wasn't for my dad, I don't know what I'd be selling. But I'd be selling something. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I could talk. I could talk. Like, I can sell anything to anybody. Give me 10 minutes, Dustin, and I'll be, he'll be like, this is crazy. But just give me 10 minutes. I'll work something in there. I'll, I'll find a Why? Because God gave me sort of a gift to like kind of know where people are at and know and, and to be able to like build towards something, you know. Now, thank God that I had my father and my mother and God in my life. So he keep, you know, keep on the right track. My dad still listens to all my sermons. So if I get out, he'll tell me. And my mom will definitely tell me. She's Irish, man. She didn't like, she didn't care how I feel. There's this. Now, one time I, I had a, uh, an English essay and on this, it was like a long answer question that was worth 10 marks. And I remember reading the, the question, and I still remember this day of like, I have no idea what that is. I don't know what the answer to that is. But I thought, just because I'm me, I thought, well, it's worth a shot. So I started talking. And I started kind of working my way around it, and working my way around it, and kind of getting closer to the answer. And then I just kind of like didn't put it in there because I didn't know it. <laughs> worked my way back out, concluded, and guess how many marks out of 10 I got? Nine. <laughs> and then because I'm me and really stupid, I took it to the teacher who was a great, I mean, super smart. I'm like, just so you know, I still don't know what the answer is. She's like, oh, it looked like you did. I'm like, I know that's what I was going for. I still don't know what the answer is. So the next guy who tries this on you, just like give him a zero. Cause that's probably what I deserve. You know, I'll take the marks. You can't like untake them right now. That would be, you know, unconstitutional or something. There's this funny thing, because the devil knows you. I know that your mom said that you were special. And you are. But it's like you're special, like, you know, when your kids come home from Sunday school and they put that nasty, you know, picture that they drew. And you're like, this is the best painting ever. 
And Van Gogh's like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's beautiful because it's you and because God loves you and because your mom loves you. You know, that's great. But the, this may be hard to imagine, but the devil's seen quite a lot of you with your personality type. And he knows how to talk to you and he knows how to sell you stuff. And so what, what happens is... Uh, he, he sends persuasive people to us. And then what happens? Like, look, if I'm trying to talk Dustin into something and you, he gives me 10 opportunities times 10 minutes each, like, I know he thinks he's smart, but I could get him. I know that I could get him into my idea. I could start with something crazy and I know that I could get him into it, but now clone me a hundred times and do the same thing. And there's this human tendency that you and I don't think that we have because the devil keeps whispering, Oh, you're smart. You're smart. You're smart. While he sends the, all these other messengers to you with this other message. And he keeps telling you that you're smart and you, we have this, we believe the people we listen to give it time. Watch your teenager. You're worried about their friends. You should be worried about their friends. Why? Because they become like their friends and they're worried about you because they've seen some of your friends too. How is it that your five closest friends are the predictor of your life? You will become the average, they say, of your five closest friends. So if your five closest friends, you got one who loves Jesus and four who loves the devil. I know some people like that. No, I'm just telling you, like you, your life goes in the direction of your friends, of the messengers. And so what the devil tries to do is he tries to send those types of people to you. Now, now when what you speak is true, we're talking about God now, right? When what you speak is true, you only need one messenger. Mm, yeah, but in our society, that's not how we think about it. We think, well, if there are more people on my team about this issue, then we must be right. We have this idea that like, hey, all roads kind of lead to Rome, right? But Jesus comes along and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're like, that's offensive. You can't say that. There are many religions of the world. And then we do this thing where like, well, because we're Canadians, we just want to include everybody and be nice. And God's like, that'd be great if all roads led to heaven. It's like saying all roads lead to Airdrie. Is that true? Well, in Airdrie... You know what I mean? All roads lead to... No, all roads lead to a city. Depends which way you're going. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says this to us here. See, Jesus apprenticed under his father. And he's like, I need to get into you what your father is like. He's like, your father in heaven, I know him better than you know him. Even though the devil's like, oh, you know Jesus. You grew up in Sunday school. And Jesus is like, oh... There is something, he's, Jesus is trying to teach you how the father thinks. Ready? You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. And we're like, no, no, no. You're not allowed to do this, God. Old Testament God. You, he says you enter God's kingdom. Whose kingdom are you trying to get to? If you want to get to the world's kingdom. Oh, there's lots of ways there. Through the narrow gate. He says the highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So now, you ready? You don't need many messengers if they're speaking the truth. And so God sums up salvation and the road to heaven in Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'll show you guys the way. He says, I am the way. And we're like, well, I can kind of believe this and I can be a good person. And it depends where you're going. Do you want to go to like God's heaven? Do you want a connection with God? Well, how does connection with God work? Does it work on something that you decide or does it work on something that he decides? And if you can start living your life according to what he decides, 
See, what the devil does is he'll try to, he'll flood you with many messengers. Come on, I know you're camping right now this weekend, Venue Church. He'll flood you with many messengers. And the more that he floods you with, the more you'll, they'll start talking you into whatever it is that they're selling. You're like, the news is not selling anything. Just keep watching, just keep watching, just keep watching. The latest outrage, let's blow it up. Let's talk about this one thing. Let's not talk about this other thing that's good in the world. Somebody's angry, somebody's upset. Keep watching, keep... No, nobody... You don't know this? Well, this is, this is going to be a great uh, sermon for you. Listen, this is what the devil does. He, he, because the devil lacks truth and power, because if you don't have the truth, you don't have any power. All you have is power to destroy, but you don't have power to build because you're not building on the truth. And so the devil floods you with information and options. And then he's like, and you're smart. And he'll just keep sending you more options and more information. And, and God is over here saying, uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, guys. If you want the way, the truth, and the life, just go here. Let me, sim- Let me simplify. Now, I think God wants your, your Christian life to be more of an apprenticeship than like a classroom study where a prof is just kind of giving you all these ideas. You know, people who go to a lot of school can tend to get a little bit proud because they're like learning about all these things. I like apprenticeship. We got any tradespeople in the house? That was my background. I love apprenticeship because you don't learn anything that you don't do and you don't learn anything that you don't pay for. And if you don't get the electrical, I come from the electrical field, man. Like you learn real quick. Like, oh, that's not how it, ah. You get trained real quick. Who cares how many wrong ways there are to live if there's only one way that really works and that is according to how God designed you and according to what he will bless. If you can get on that path, what it can do. Let me, let me talk to you a little bit. I, I apprenticed under my dad. Can I talk to you about, about dads a little bit? You might not have had a good dad. There's good dads in the house of God here. So we'll like, you can have my dad. I've had enough time with dad. I still need my dad, but he's got lots of time in his hands and you're all messed up. And he'd love, <laughs> he'd love to spend a little time with you. Come on, venue church. There's good fathers in the house. If your kids, if you're a single mom, there's great dads in the house that would love to help you with your kids. Um, but can I talk about good dads and what good dads do? You might not have had one. And so you got to be careful when you don't have a good dad, then you come into this thing with God, your heavenly father, and you don't think about him right. But because I had a good dad, I thought about God, my father, right? And so I had very few, like, I just kind of adapted really quickly there. And so it helped me. Here's some things that my dad taught me. He taught me to simplify. Now, that's our job as parents, you know, is to apprentice our children. They don't need like a hundred dads. They just need a good one, Right. And so they need lots of influence in their life and not just you because, you know, that gets a little crazy. But, but I apprenticed under my dad. My dad taught me to simplify. My dad could simplify my life with a raised eyebrow from across the room. I'd be over there thinking about punching my brother and my dad would be like, eyebrow. My dad one time, do you, does anybody have any, if you're married on your wedding day, does everybody have crazy wedding stories? Something weird always happens at every wedding, by the way. Why would you give Uncle Joe, why would you have an open mic at your wedding? Uh. Uncle Joe has been waiting for you to open that mic up. Do you want to know what Uncle Joe thinks? When he's had a glass of wine or four? And now you're going to give him an open mic and not like... Yeah, the mic's not working. Sorry, Joe, you're going to have to sit down. Don't have an open mic at your wedding, are you crazy? 
Okay, before we got married, Erin uh, had a, a maid of honor, the person who was going to be the maid of honor, who got herself fired. Her friend starts acting up. It was her best friend at the time. Starts acting up. And she's this, like, Christian girl and starts going around to all her friends and gossiping about us. I don't think she liked me for some reason, and I'm still trying to figure out why. I'm, like, super nice and stuff. I don't know. She took a dislike to me, I guess, and she started, like, taking these scriptures out of context and, I don't know. Trying to, I don't even know what she was trying to do. It's a pretty big deal, you know, when you're dealing with this for the first time. And we were talking at my mom's kitchen table, and we're like kind of up in arms about this. Like, what do we do? What do we do? And my dad walks in. And my dad's like not super emotionally dialed in. <laughs> That's just not who he, he is and not who God made him to be, which is probably good because life would have killed him a long time ago if he was. I appreciate that. My dad, you know what he did? He just walked in, and he's like, even he could tell something was wrong. He's like... What's going on? So I gave him the, the COPE 22nd version, which is like just the facts. Keep emotion out. Keep extra words out. Just anybody have a dad like that? Just like, just tell me just the facts, please. So I gave him the COPE 22nd version. This is what he said. This is his response. He goes, huh. that's about right. And walks out. That's the first and last he's ever spoken about that. You know what it did though? He does, he does what, what he taught me that God does in my life. God sometimes just snorts and he's like, <laughs> who cares what that person thinks about you? My dad and that, like, it was like a whole paragraph that he said right there. He's like, your pastors believe that this is God. Your parents believe that this is God. You believe that this is God. Your church believes that it's God. Who cares what this single girl thinks? Single girls, you don't know anything about marriage. You're not married. Stop lecturing people with kids in the grocery store. You don't have a little Hitler. We'll see. We'll see one day how full of grace you are. Oh, you need to be kind to your child, man. Some children don't need kind. They need the car. Just keep them out of the grocery store, man. My dad taught me things that God is trying to, Jesus tries to teach you about his father, that God the father doesn't love a whole lot of drama. My dad taught me like, hey, this, all this drama is just making things worse. You're just words, 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 words. Yeah. We could just deal with the issue, which is probably not that big, but all these words and all this drama and all this emotion and all this. <sighs> Do you want to deal with the issue? We get so clouded. My dad taught me like drama. You know what my dad taught me? He taught me if you need something, ask for it. My dad's like, I can't read your mind. But you know what we do with God sometimes, what we do with each other. You get married to somebody, you're like, you should fulfill all my needs, and I'm not going to tell you about it. We'll see how good of a wife you are. And your wife's like, I didn't sign up for that, but I'm going to do that to you. You know what God says? Ask. If somebody just jams a cookie in your mouth every time that you've, you're hungry, and they're just like, is Leighton hungry? You know what that creates? Somebody who's undisciplined, a cookie monster. 100% that's true. I should have thought about that. It creates a cookie monster. No, that creates somebody who's proud, who gets everything that he wants without asking for it. Without working for it, without asking for it, without... My dad taught me, if you need some of my time, then ask me. I, how do I know if you need me right now or not? No, the younger you are, you know, you got to help your kids out a little bit. My mom taught me, see, my mom taught me how to adapt to my father. 
Because sometimes we come into God's house and we're like, I don't want to adapt to you, God. I want you to adapt to me. And God's like, I haven't adapted to you enough. Sometimes I'm like, God, what are you doing with somebody like me? Have you not met me? I don't bring anything to this relationship. I'm just surprised that you love me. And that's why I worship so good. Because I just, I don't know. I still haven't figured that out. And I'm okay not figuring that out. I'm just okay that you're good. And then I'm here. And then I'm somehow in relationship with you because Jesus, and we come to God and then we're just like, we don't learn to adapt ourselves to God. But unless you learn to adapt yourself to God, you don't get God's blessing because then God wouldn't be blessing his own word and his own faithfulness. He'd be blessing you and your self will and your fleshly desires. And he, sometimes you're just like, God, just tell me this. And God's like, I can't because it's not true. Tell my husband that I'm patient and he needs to learn from me. And he's like, that's not true. You're very impatient. You just think you're patient compared to who? My mom taught me to adapt myself to my father. And that was a very important lesson for me to understand so that when I come to my father, I don't come on my terms as a child. What does that mean? Because he's more mature than I am and he's responsible for me. I can't just go and interrupt him every time he's working to put food on the table and to put a roof over my head. He doesn't have time to play video games with me 10 hours a day. Does that make him not a good father? No, he was doing what I needed, not necessarily what I wanted. And my mom said to me one time, look, your dad is very project oriented. So go to him on his terms. He's, and she's like, just say like, hey, when you have a second, here's the topic. Can you come and help me? And then in a half an hour, you'll have all of his attention. And because he's project oriented, he'll work on your project and he'll finish it. Did you want that? Well, you have to ask him on his terms. You have to adapt on his terms. I learned to apprentice under my father. In fact, I worked for my dad in his church. I volunteered in his church while I was in the trades world. And I learned like, no, 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 this is not my church. This is God gave him the vision and I served him and I, and I was his worship leader and he would come and mess my day up and be like, Hey, can we do this song at like nine o'clock on Sunday morning? And I'd be like, but I didn't pray about that song. And my dad would be like, but I did. Can you just do it this way? And I learned to adapt myself. Why? Because I learned how God works. Do you want the blessing of God or not? Well, then adapt yourself to his way. Because if you won't adapt yourself to his way, you'll take the blessing and think it's all about you. But it's not. It's about God. And it's about his kindness and goodness. Now, a hundred messengers don't help you adapt to God. A hundred messengers is very complicated. Because you're going to hear different things from... I shudder when people give people marriage counseling who don't have a lot of experience or the, I would say the grace of God to do that because like your idea, you're just like brainstorming. Look, brainstorming doesn't fix marriages. Like a 50 good ideas that may or may not work in that situation with her and with you and with brainstorming about parenting. Like, yeah, there's a thousand ways to raise a child or 10,000 ways. What you need is the way that God wants you to raise that child. And if you find that, who, and then you could just take all the other ones and be like, okay. We don't need to do all this because that's not us and that's not them. And that's not what God wants right now. And there's this thing that God wants to simplify in your life. Now, God, more often than not, sends kind of the lone messenger. And, and we wish that he would agree with all of the other messengers or she would agree with all the other messengers. That can be your mom. That can be your small group leader. That can be, that can be your ungodly boss at work. It can be whomever God decides it to be to teach you something that you're going to need tomorrow. And, and, uh. A hundred messengers don't really help us with that because this is the, this is the problem here is that everybody working in the natural is trying to figure things out as they go. So they're trying to like talk their way into success. You know what God does? God sees your destiny. And so what he asks you to do, he won't show you that because you'll just take shortcuts. 
He won't t- spend 10 years to build character. You just like, I just want to go there. I just want the platform. And God's like, your character can't handle it. So you know what God does? He shows you what to do next. And he'll send a messenger often to tell you what to do next. Not to tell you how the whole picture works together because the devil's still whispering, you can handle the whole picture. And God's like, your heart's not big enough. You're too selfish. You're too small-minded. You, you're not God. Why don't you let God... See, I had to learn how to let my dad be dad and let him worry about the fa- finances. Let him worry about the... Let, her worry, let him worry about whether I was treated right at school or not. Let him... Let my mom and dad deal with it. That's why they're there. Rather than have to be my own self-advocate all the time and get what's right to get what's just and... That's exhausting and you're not going to get it. Because sometimes God wants you to suffer through injustice because he wants to build something in you that you don't know you need yet. And you don't know somebody else needs yet. All the things you suffered were for somebody else's salvation, by the way. So quit trying to escape it and embrace it. Embrace the hairiness. All right. Elisha ends up apprenticing under Elijah, who's the main character in our study this morning. And Elisha's... Elijah's name means Yahweh is my God, which is like very not a Canadian thing right now because we're like all paths lead to God. So, you know, worship a little bit of God, go to church a little bit, and then go to this other church over here called sports, and then go over here and then serve your career and then serve your money and then spend it all on yourself. And then, you know, I mean, all these other things. And that was what Israel was doing. And you're like, the Bible can't tell us because we've evolved. And God's like, no, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything has been tried before. Everything swings from this side to this side until we land back where God wanted us to go. And um, Elisha, the apprentice, learns from Elijah. Elijah's name means Yahweh is my God. And Elisha learns from this hairy man so much so that he doesn't learn from a thousand different voices. God sent him one and a, a rough prophet at that. And Elisha so learns from that that God so pours the spirit of, of his, his son on on which was to come the, the Holy Spirit on Elisha, that Elisha performed twice the miracles that Elijah did. And there's a story that we're going to sing about that, that when he was buried, his bones were all, they were dry and in the grave. And, and guys were like, their friend died and they were trying to bury him quickly because a band of raiders was coming. They toss him onto the bones of Elisha. He stands up on his feet and walks out. Not Elisha, the other guy. <laughs> there's something that God wants for you in an apprenticeship. And that prophetic voice that he wants. You don't need a hundred voices. You just need one when you need it. You don't need to know 50 steps. You just need another one when you need it. Now, Elijah, Elijah is facing... Why couldn't they have names be totally different, by the way? I'm going to mix it all up. Elisha faces 450 to one odds against. There's 450 prophets of Baal. That's why uh, Ahab and Jezebel followed Baal, because there was 450 of them. And you got to stop surrounding yourself with 450 people who are kind of telling you what to do, what you already want to do. And uh, Elisha is facing, uh, is facing these huge odds against today. Um, First Kings chapter, you know, I was thinking like 325 years before, Gideon faces 450 to 1 odds against. 135,000 of the enemy, 300 of Gideon's guys. And 325 years from this time, you know, C-3PO is going to say, but sir... The possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field or roughly... Approximately 3,720 to 1. First service didn't get that. I didn't even say it. I was a little worried what they were going to think about it. You guys like it. You guys get it. You get it. There's something where Han Solo says, never tell me the odds. Did they get through the asteroid field? Yes. And God says, the asteroid field that you're in right now? I'm preaching Star Wars. I can't believe this. 
He's like, who cares how many failed at it if that's the way that I want you to go through it. I'm going to lead you through it and I'm going to talk you through it. But quit listening to all the other voices. Turn 3PO off. Just turn 3PO off. He's just depressing. He can't swing a lightsaber. Have you ever seen? Okay. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. We left it in this place where Ahab's like, hey, you got to decide. Baal or God? Baal or Yahweh? Like, pick one. And said, but all the people were silent. Verse 22, Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now, can I say this? When God does use you to speak to your child or somebody at work, or God uses you, can you quit acting like you're the lone prophet? You might be the only one there, but you're not the only prophet of the Lord. You're not the only son of God, the only daughter of God that he speaks through. See, didn't Obadiah just tell him a few days before, I hid 100 prophets in caves? It's like, you're not alone. So quit acting like you're Jesus. You're not. There's one son of God and it's not you. God has many children and God can pour out his spirit on all of us. We just got to learn the way that God does it. But, um, so, but in this place here, he's the only one who's got this platform here. He says, now bring two bulls. And so what happens is he's like, bring the bulls, make your altar and, and put everything on it and the fire on there, but don't set fire to it. And he's like, and then, then I will make an altar and, but we're not going to set fire to it. And then he says to everybody and the God who answers by fire, he's God. And all the people are like, okay. And he tricks them because peer pressure is the only thing that would move this bunch. And he got them to agree to something quite clever. I thought got them to agree to something because they didn't care about what was true. They didn't care about that. God was the only God. They did care what each other thought. That's why it's good to bring friends to church. Cause then you see a bunch of people who love Jesus. You're like, see, <laughs> just trick them and get them here. Let the, let the Holy spirit and Holy spirit peer pressure work on them. That's why you want your kids in youth group, by the way. Now, now he says, um, so they prepared one of the bulls, placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. You know, Canadians, we cried out to a lot of things. Oh, government, save us. And the government's like, have you ever uh, met uh, the government? <laughs> we're kind of a mess, guys. Like, we're doing the best we can here, but we don't know. What's, you know. Oh, healthcare, save us. And they're like, we're just changing bedpans over here, guys. Like, we're just doing our best. We put our confidence in our faith, but only God can save a nation. Only God can save a nation. Says there was no reply of any kind. All the things that we hoped and all the addictions and all the sin and all the sports and all the, and God just like turned the tap off. And we realized all of those things were kind of hollow anyways. Like they're okay, but they're not God. It says they danced hobbling around the altar they'd made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. Now you hate it when somebody does this to you. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed. For surely he's a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming or is uh, relieving himself. In the Bible. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. He's got the fan on. You gotta, if you want to talk to your mom with the fan on, kids. Don't ever tell your kids to do that, by the way. That's mom time, man. Do not knock on that door and yell through that bathroom door. Not all the kids will make it out of that one alive. He's mocking, you know, when, when God sends his messenger to you, sometimes like, because you've been doing life this way, you're very serious about it. And you're the fake gods that we serve. Sometimes we're very dignified about, you know, like, oh, they're so dignified. This makes so much sense to me because you sold it on yourself. And, and sometimes God sends you a hairy prophet who's like, what? Yeah. And we don't like it too much. Maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be wakened. So they shouted louder and threw like a teenage fit here. 
And following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. Wow. Now, I'm just seeing this right now here that I feel like, like your life blood will gush out if you're trying to get attention of a God who's not a God. Or you could just go to God and ask. Just like, God, how do you want me to, where do you want me to, what's next? Where do I go to get the next direction? Who do I go to? Who did you give me a gift? You know, I realized that God gives gifts to people for me. And if I won't go to them, I don't get the gift of God. And that really worked on my pride. And I'm like, oh, but because I like you, I like to win, but I hate to lose even more than I like to win. And I don't like losing. So I'm like, I'm not a loser. So if you give a gift to Dustin for me, I'm going to go to Dustin and that makes me a winner. <laughs> hey, frame it however you've got to, but get the message that God wants because that's where his blessing is. They raved all afternoon. There was no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called the people, come over here. So they all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. Look, I prepped this like five times this week and I only saw it while I was preaching it already. He repaired the altar of the Lord Canada that had been torn down. See, our grandfathers and great-grandfathers and, and grandmothers, they came here and they're like, we need God here because these nations we came from wouldn't let us serve the Lord. We came from Egypt. We came from these places. We came from the false gods and the armies and the wars. And we came from to serve the Lord our God. And we let their altar fall into disrepair. And then when our nation needed, we had no place to sacrifice to. And then we shut churches down, which made a whole lot of sense. There was one group of people that had a rise in mental health in 2020 over 2019. Those people who went to church every single week. One. That's just mental health. One. Statistically, scientifically. Why? Because when you worship, God somehow fixes stuff. Say amen, venue church. All right. You can't make me lose my track. Elijah said he repaired the, the altar. He took 12 stones. He dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar cut the bowl into pieces, laid the pieces on the wood. Then he says, hey guys, take all these water jugs and fill it up and dump it on the altar. Because we're not just going to have a miracle. We're going to have like a miracle miracle. <laughs> and maybe you're, you keep going down into the pit that you're in because God doesn't want to just do like a miracle. He wants to do a miracle miracle. And he's got to wait until, you ready? He's got to wait until something dies. Yeah. Yeah. I kept asking God to resurrect something one time and he's like, it's not dead yet. <laughs> God ever hurt your feelings like every day, but he loves me enough to hurt my feelings and he loves me enough to save me. And he loves me enough to put me in a place and the, loves me enough to give you a message that you might not like, but tomorrow morning you'll be like, Oh, thank God that he was faithful to speak to us. Filled up the water jugs. He's like, dump it on the altar. Do it again. Three times. That's the usual time for the evening sacrifice. Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. It says at the usual time for evening sacrifice. Sometimes God is like, open your Bible in the morning or I won't speak to you the rest of the day. Well, you have to speak to me whenever you want. And God's like, no, I don't. You know what God said to me when I was on vacation? I was starting to gear up and come back into work in my mind five days before I came home, but it was a Sabbath for the family. And we knew that we needed to go away just to connect with God and to connect with each other. The Holy Spirit said, you can think about that, but I'm not going to talk to you about it. I'm like, done. Let me worship and let me connect with my family. And when I come back, then God will anoint me for what I need. 
Not the time for the usual sacrifice. Some of y'all miss too much church in the summer. At the time when the usual sacrifice. I'm just saying. Ooh, that got quiet. <laughs> he walked up to the altar and prayed, Oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant. Prove that I've done all this at your command. Oh Lord, answer me. Answer me. This is how you got to pray for your teenager and for your husband. Come on. Answer me so these people will know that you, oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Some of our, so many of our prayers are like, so that my teenager will know that I'm their mother. And God's like, no, so that I will be their God and they will know that I brought them to me. Immediately it says, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones. All Israel's like, what? And the dust. And it even licked up all the water in the trench. Why? Because it could. And when all the people saw it, they fell down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God, which is the meaning of Elijah's name. The Lord, there is one God and it's Yahweh. There is one Lord and it's Jesus. Come on, Pentecostal fire. Stirring something new. He's not going to run out of miracles anytime soon. Then Elijah commanded. Here's the takeaway. There's always a takeaway that hurts your feelings. Ready? Uh, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all. Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Which means, which means, you ready? Ready? You have to apprentice to the Lord and you have to apprentice to the one that the Lord sends you. You have to, you have to get the message from the messenger that God sends you. Which means you got to turn off the other messengers. Because yeah. Elijah knows that these are very persuasive prophets. And if we leave any one of them, if there's another voice that's speaking to you and it's not the words of the Lord, Elijah knows that we're going to go after them because you become like your five closest friends. And there's this thing in here where God is trying to tell us, like, guys, we're not that smart as a human race, but you don't have to be smart when you serve a smart and holy God. You just have to do the next thing and listen to whoever God sends you. Doesn't that take the power struggle away? Then I don't care if I do something and you do something or I lose a platform or I... I'm just a servant of servants. I don't care. I don't care who controls. I don't care who controls. I don't. I just get to relax and be a child of God. 